10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. <laughs> Hey everyone, it's Darian Simone Harvin here with the Am I Allowed to Like Anything podcast. This week's guest is Danielle Smith, and it's really important that I give her a proper, amazing introduction because she deserves it. So Danielle is a journalist, music critic, novelist, and editor from California. She's interviewed music's most influential artists and covered hip-hop before it was unacceptable mainstream genre of music truly. She's widely known for her position as former editor-in-chief of Vibe and held positions at Billboard, Time Inc. and she's written for the New York Times, Essence, Ebony, The New Yorker, The Village Voice, NPR. I mean I could go on. She really is that epic. So Danielle's most recent project is Hardcover which she co-founded with her husband Elliot Wilson and that's how we got to know each other. She's currently teaching at Syracuse University in New York City and working on her third book, She Is Every Woman, A History of Black Women in Pop Music. She's also my friend and a huge inspiration for this podcast, so I'm really honored to have her on for this 10th episode. Remember, you can subscribe to Am I Allowed to Like Anything on iTunes and always tweet me at Darian Simone Harvin with your reactions. This is kind of a wild one, so enjoy and let me know what you think. Okay, so this is what I'm thinking, but you tell me if it's true. Hmm. The next time that, or when this episode is released, mm-hmm. there might be hardcovers at your, like, you might have a position of hardcovers. Yes. Lessons learned from creating hardcover. Some things are easier than you think they're going to be, and some things are harder than you think they're going to be, and hardcover was harder than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> at was, every at every single solitary stage. Um, the only thing that wasn't hard was working with the team because the team was amazing and um that was surprisingly after some initial bumps i think super easy because everyone just loved the idea of hardcover and the spirit of hardcover and the idea of it so working with you uh, working with all the the hardcover fellows working with the hardcover interns that you pulled together um you know working with elliot always has his challenges but (laughs) It was um, it was still good, and you know, working with the design team. But it was really hard, actually, to. If I'm really honest, mm-hmm. some days to really. I think if you're someone, let's say my generation or my age, you're very used to working for someone. I'm very used to working for someone, um. And I think I've always been very self-motivated on behalf of someone else's brand. Yes. And I think some days it was very difficult for me to get motivated on behalf of my own brand. Mm. It was very, um, I had to really manage that. And I had to remind myself honestly that what I create is as important as what I've ever created that was someone else's. It was a real turning point for me. Wow, that's interesting because I feel like I'm the opposite Mm -hmm. where I am constantly thinking about, well, how can I take this Darian brand and people don't even look at me and think brand. Like to me, that's, that's like not, it's not about the word brand. It's kind of like going beyond that to just like creating things where it's like what you do and who Mm -hmm. you are, people, enjoy it and Mm -hmm. whatever is a part of your brand is like you are giving something new and fresh to people right for me it's like that is because for me i'm like if not it's if not me then who then who and when and when well i think that's different like i said because i spent so many years working for other brands whether it was billboard whether it was vibe whether it was timing whether it was whoever i was writing for um you know we just come from different times Mm -hmm. and i think both you know, have their pluses and have their minuses, but I definitely think I kind of figured it out. And I also think in terms of, I mean, 
I guess, you know, you can't think of yourself, well, you know, what's your personal brand and all that kind of stuff. And I think at the end of the day, my the basis of mine or what I what has always been kind of the the soul of whatever the Danielle Smith brand is, is my byline. Like what I've written or what I've edited. Right. What do you always tell me is by your byline? Yes. Do you want it to be under your yes. byline? Do you want your name by that? Like yeah. that's my that's my thing. So I think that that's how I really started thinking about it because mm. um, in the books that I've written in the past, that's how I would motivate myself to get finished with those books is that, you know, it's my name. It's my name at the end of the day. Right. So for more like wrestling and for bliss, it was like, it's my name. So, And I actually want to talk about two things that mm-hmm. I felt like I really learned during hardcover. Do. So the first one, working with our team, mm-hmm. for me was a blessing because of what I learned. And mm-hmm. I loved the fact that there was so little ego between everyone. That's true. Like, that to me is why I kind of go into spaces and I'm like, why aren't they allowed to sit in that meeting? Why aren't they allowed to speak? Always been that way. Yeah, and so for me, it was like this was so refreshing and and so rare Mm -hmm. because that does not occur. It doesn't. You're not not the first person who's worked with me that's told me that, that they feel that way about the spaces that I'm, you know, leading in one way or another. Right. Like, I felt like everybody's word was worth gold. It is. And and I love that. I love that I was able to, like, connect the interns or the fellows with an an editor or with Ben or with Eric or with Kristen to help with their research. Yes. And it was like everyone was putting out excellent work. I mean, everyone was. And I just don't, I mean, there has to be, I guess, a certain type of hierarchy in terms of, like, who's actually responsible for, you know, paying the rent at the office space and who's buying the, you know, paper and the fonts and all those things but I think in terms of sitting around and actually building something creating something um everybody's ideas matter I ran vibe like that and I tried to run hardcover like that so I'm happy to hear you say that yeah there's somebody that I used to work with at vibe somebody that is a good girlfriend of mine whose name shall not be mentioned you know her as well though (laughs) and um when she left vibe and went to work at another publication Mm -hmm. she was you know she was a junior staffer right and but they were invited to meetings but she didn't realize until she spoke up in the meeting in an editorial meeting and everyone just kind of looked at her like oh my god are you are you speaking? Right. And then afterwards, like, her team leader came over and said, that that is not appropriate. Like, you don't, like, you won't be asked back to meetings if you, and she said she was just like, oh, my God, but I, working for Danielle, it's just like, Normal. everybody, yeah, the interns can speak to the editor-in-chief, like, I, I don't think that's a good idea, or I think we should choose that cover over that cover. I mean, I just believe in running things like that. I really think that, I mean, you know how I feel about the new everyone. So you know I feel that way across. I feel that way about race, about religion, about country of origin, about whatever your sexual identity is. I feel that way about status at places of business. I feel that interns have as much to contribute. I right. just do. And I and I often feel, you know, like you'll you'll go on Twitter and you'll see something that goes viral because it's so blatantly just wrong or Mm -hmm. horrible or like racist or just not well put and I could look at that be like wasn't no young person in the room wasn't no person of color in the room there was no act there was no and it's just and it's just mind-blowing because the structure that we put up is almost like it ended up hurting I just I have my hands on my face right now because I'm like when I see that stuff I'm just like it's like you couldn't invite one okay yeah it's bad I mean it's maybe it's getting better I think in some places it really is getting better but I think you just still see and not just at the legacy organizations, but also at the at the at the more recent startups, you mm-hmm. see that there's just a disconnect between who's in the building and who they're serving, or who they're purportedly serving. The second thing I learned was more of an appreciation and more thought put into gratitude, which is something I definitely learned from you, because I feel like I was like thankful and very nice before but Mm -hmm. I really learned the importance of showing or even if it's through email Mm -hmm. people that you appreciate them even when you're in a really bad mood 
Yeah, girl, because I stay in a bad mood and I still believe in gratitude. <laughs> yeah, like, I know. And it wasn't, it wasn't until, it wasn't until a couple of weeks ago where you were like, yeah, Darian, I don't really like, I like everyone. Yes, yes I don't. I, I remember, I know, sometimes I do have to tell people that because people think, I mean, I don't think everyone thinks I'm nice, but I think a lot of people think I'm nice. But in reality, you know, I don't like everyone, but that doesn't mean that I can't be polite or grateful. See, but that's wild to me because I've only known you to be nice. So when I so when I talk to people, I'm like, oh, my God, she's so nice. Like, just email her. Just email her. I do believe that, you know, that, that we just should be thankful for things. And I think also when I was in school just recently at Stanford, one of the things we talked about in terms of, frankly, strategic communication mm. was leading with gratitude. I'm really, this is a great transition mm-hmm. because what I have in here is talking about Stanford and some of the leadership skills that you brought there and um, some of them that you learned because people don't really ask you about that. And you talk about your time at Stanford and even some things that you've gone to after that mm-hmm. that I feel like have even shaped you after you've done all of, after you've been editor in chief of Vibe, after you've oh, had yeah. all these amazing bylines. Well, I think there's, well, one, I just believe in education. I think it comes, uh, you know, I teach and all those things. I teach at Syracuse University now. I think because I, maybe because I dropped out of college and didn't finish my degrees until I was um, I think that's it because we don't have this same appreciation for, like, classrooms and colleges and schools and stuff. So continue. I like that little Sorry. Uh, patronizing tap on the Sorry. leg, though. That's Philly Jam right there. No. <laughs> but, um, no, so... I just feel like there's always something to learn and always something to teach, frankly. So when I was at Stanford, yeah, it was just an incredible experience. You know, it was the John S. Knight uh, Journalism Fellowship. It, you know, they choose 21 people a year, people that they think are outstanding and people they think are going to give back to the profession. And I had the time of my life. The hardcover came out of that year. Yeah. Um, the creative spaces that I was in, whether it was at the Stanford uh, Design School, the D School, whether it was at the... Um, the Graduate School of Business, which I was super intimidated to set foot on. And then by the end of the quarter, I was feeling like, hey, this is my spot. <laughs> oh, I got a little, I'm a, I'm a little part of B-School, low-key, low-key. Right, right, exactly. I thought it was so amazing. But I just, you know, it was just about innovation. It was about creativity. It was about um, transition. It was about reinvention. Um, it was about taking classes, like I said, in, in product design, taking classes in art history, taking, it's about meeting journalists from all over the world, you know. I just gained a new sort of, I think, appreciation for maintaining relationships and particularly maintaining global relationships. Yes. Like, when I think about the friends that I have now in, in China, when I think of the friends now I have in, um, right along the border of, of Afghanistan and Pakistan, I mean, it's yes. just, you know, in Australia and uh, it's really impo- it's just important it's it is. really important to but have. I don't think I valued it I always remember too do you remember I don't know if you guys did this you went to Emerson yes you guys were a much cooler school than I went to Cal and and I just remember we sort of acted like the international students were the like herbs but they're oh. actually like the coolest students oh yeah for sure and you know what sometimes I actually feel like there's that stigma you know, so I went to Emerson, but mm-hmm. Boston is a huge, huge college town. Mm-hmm. So it's like sometimes things get a little mixed when you're at parties. Like you don't mm-hmm. really know what school people. You could be on right. Harvard, you could be in a, at a frat house at Harvard or, mm-hmm. or like a fake frat house right. at Harvard, and like there are gonna be other other people there from other schools because right. that's just how it works. It's like a billion but, schools there. Yeah, but I I do sometimes feel like there's this stigma that international kids are just there because they're like super smart like super smart mm-hmm. and rightfully so but we're all there for a reason and we should all actually just be trying to get to know one another and people just stay in their own little silos it's incredible stanford's such an international campus my program was a a, a really international program and the you know the students that i have at syracuse are i have international students so it's especially um students from china and it's it's just always an eye-opening experience but yeah I wouldn't trade that experience at Stanford uh, for the world it you know sometimes I think you know I don't know it's I just always want to learn more I always feel like there's I don't like a feeling of being behind I don't like a feeling of not being a part of the world and its changes and I feel like when you go someplace like Stanford or when you spend time at a place like Syracuse, these aren't perfect institutions for a lot of reasons, but I feel like you can find the spaces that that 
where they really feed you mm -hmm. and support you and teach you. I had never taken a class in strategic communication. I had never taken a, a class in, in the history of design schools. And it was amazing to me when I got into that class how much I already knew just because of the career that I've, that I've been having. And it it's just was amazing. Can you think back to an activity that you did in any of your classes or any workshop that mm -hmm. you'll like never forget that you felt like was very maybe Stanford-y? Well, what's funny is I can and it didn't have anything to do with journalism. I took a class in um, improvisation and it was really hard for me at first because I'm not a person that basically likes to get out there <clears throat> and act the fool, which is a lot of what improvisation is. So, Well, New York, I trains you to be that way I feel man but we had to do these scenes at the end right the, you had to have a scene partner and I had this this young woman named Natalie was my scene partner and we did like this this a, a really intense scene from this British play from the 1970s and then on the last day just like in any school you had to perform it in front of people you had to memorize it and perform it. And you had been coached for like the last three weeks of class mm -hmm. in doing it. And so, of course, Elliot came too. So I was really nervous. <laughs> I was so nervous. You told right? him to come. You were like, this but is wait, my performance. Exactly. Please book your ticket. And do you know who was there too, though, was Andrew. Right? Andrew was there. Andrew was out. <laughs> Shout out to Andrew. Shout out to Andrew on the hardcover board. And, but what it did for me was the coaching that you received when you're acting it's so amazing. Like, I had never really taken an acting class, but the way if you have a good impro improv teacher or acting teacher and they just really break down for you, like, your tics in yeah. your body yeah. and what that is, what that's showing to other people that you don't even realize it's showing, it's crazy. And then I told you, and in a similar vein, I told you in strategic communication we had to do that weird thing where you just had to stand in front of the class just stand there and just stand there. And oh, then yes. people had to write on index cards what energy you were giving. And what energy were you giving? You know, it's awful, I'm embarrassed to say. But it was above it and like trying and also. Trying? Yeah, and also look, because at a certain point, I had my hands on my hips. And some of that, I think it was just like, you know, the black girl thing that we do, you stand there, you just kind of, yeah, sometimes like you just have your hands on your hips, out. right? Like not, but it was very like, hands on hips just reads to a lot of people, I guess, as aggressive. And I'm like, hands on hips is like sassy to me, right? Yeah, I don't think that aggressive would be the term that I would use for mm -mm. putting your hands on your mm -mm. hips. But a lot of people stood there with their arms crossed in front of their chest, and that just symbolizes like closed off, and I'm not interested in talking to you. So basically the way I stood was kind of leaning on one hip, either with my hands on my hips, or just my hands just kind of on my thighs like this. And I think what I was trying to do, maybe that's why they thought I was trying, is to look around the room. I don't know, but again, these, were, these things were just really compelling to me, just and even me looking at other people's energy and it just causing you to learn about like how you fill a space and how other people fill a space. It was just amazing. And these are the kind of things that people are talking about and learning about. Yeah. And also I think that's just also a good testament to like when you are always willing to learn mm -hmm. whatever in whatever mm -hmm. space it in space it's in mm -hmm. look what type of environments it opens you up to like you never you never know where, where you may end up because you're willing to you continue don't. learning you don't and it's amazing and I think also you know so often I tweet I tweet out you know job opportunities and I tweet out fellowship opportunities and things like that and I always you know try to remind people when I can that the first part of being chosen is the self-selection right like, me like I'm like I want this yes yes like, and, and what, what people are counting on is that the people that aren't dope aren't going to try. So you make your, you essentially make yourself more amazing by applying. You need to put yourself on. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Like, like the people that are quote unquote, the gatekeepers or the, the people that are judging or the, and I've been on selection committees. Right. And when people 
you do when you're on the selection committee and you're interviewing people, you ought, you do just have respect for the person. You have a baseline respect because they got it together to apply. And do you see what I mean? Yes. That they didn't just see the notice and say, they're probably not going to choose me. Why would I do it? You know what I'm saying? Right. Who is someone who you maybe met within like the last five years or that you've known for longer mm-hmm. that you feel is just a great leader or has been somewhat of like a role model for you? She doesn't like me to mention her name in this way, but I'll do it anyway. And I will say that it's um, it's Sylvia Rome. Sylvia Rome, yes. who's, um, you know, she's in partnership with L.A. Reid over at Epic Records. Um, she's one of the most amazing uh, women that I know. Uh, she's one of the most uh, influential uh, people, let alone women, in the music business for the past 30 years. Um, she's a gracious spirit. She's taught me a lot. And I look to her all the time for, you know, advice, guidance, friendship, all those things. So, again, I know Sylvia hates for me to say that about her, but she's a dynamic and amazing Yeah, we just person. won't send this to her. It's fine. No, we won't. We won't. But she's she's amazing. And if you don't know who she is, you should, you should Google definitely her. Google her. It won't be hard. Yeah. Okay. What I else? really want to talk about relationships Let's because go. the people need to hear what do you they? have to say. Wow. They do. Because we have know. all these. I'm just going to pose a problem to you, mm-hmm. like a Darian problem. <laughs> And so we're just going to have a regular conversation. Then, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, let's do gonna, it. What okay. I typically do for everybody out there is I pose my problems to Danielle and then And she, I think they're ridiculous and then. Yeah, but she doesn't, but but the thing is she doesn't act like they're ridiculous, Mm-mm. which is a good, uh, which is very important. She looks, at, she looks at me very seriously. She acts like I'm normal. <laughs> you are normal. I am normal. I am normal. But okay, so, so what, okay, so what do I always complain about? You complain about, if I'm being honest, yes. Um, a lot of times, not all the time, but you complain about how boys don't know how to act. Yes. Um, I think you complain about, well, not so much now because you're doing, you know, you have so many great opportunities on your plate right yeah, now. Yeah, no, I don't care at all. Right, but I think before you, you were wondering like what the future held for you, what the near future held for you mm-hmm. in terms of your profession, and we've spent time talking about that, right? Yeah. Or, um, but I feel, I remember something that I said once and you were like, that is a deep valley to get out of. You need to not go there. I was what like, I I, no, what was that? I was like, I said, I just feel so disgusted by men right now. And she was like, Darren, you, and you were like, Darren, you cannot feel that way. That's such a deep valley to what? climb I mean, out of. I know it. Well, you know, you can feel that way sometimes. Sometimes I feel that way, but I do think. It is a deep valley because I feel like, you know, first of all, not everybody's straight. Not everybody wants a man. Right. But, um, and Lord knows even if you are straight, sometimes it's a, it's a, <laughs> they get on your nerves still, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I feel like if you are a woman that wants a man in your life, wants to build a life with a man or get married or have kids or with a man in particular, then... It's a deep valley to start believing that because bad things have happened at the hands of one man, then they're always going to happen. And I want to say that I say that from experience. And if I'm frank, I didn't, you know, I didn't come up in a great situation with a father figure. Um, I've had some great men in my life in terms of relationships, but Lord knows, I've had I've been with the wrong man for too long and a number of times in my life. So I'm not saying this like from on high. I'm saying this from experience and I just feel like this idea that it's fun to sit around and 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 sort of dwell in how terrible men are if that's what you want. It's just to me it's not a space that's cool. Like it's just not a space that's healthy. I feel like you have to interrogate yourself a little bit about why you feel that way and try to come out of it. I just do. If that's the kind of partnership that you want. Right. And 
what I always have to constantly remind myself of, which I actually think is a bit unfair, mm-hmm. the men who try to touch me and grab me and speak to me all the time on the street it's are like every time not you say the that, same I can't men. Stand that. And it's like I have to make sure that I am not thinking about those groups of men in the same categories. But it's hard because those are the men who interact with me. Those are the men who are in my face. So it just you, I can't transfer that to to every man who who mm-hmm. I encounter, such, you know, even though it's really hard not to. I know it's. I have to say though, it it, it is a fine line. Like, oh, it's fine. <laughs> it is a, a fine needle. line because it's like, God, like men can be so terrible. Men you don't know, like just men on the street saying stuff and just. Pulling their penises out on the train. <laughs> yeah, that's God, why. That that's probably happened. that's yeah. probably why you don't ride the train any longer. No, well, yeah, I try not to, but yes. Um, the last time that happened to me, I was in Chicago, and it was like, and I have to say, I have no problem riding the train ever. I have a problem riding New York City trains. Oh, excuse me. I get on the train in Chicago. I get on the train in California, but no subways. I've had too many bad experiences. Really? Yes, and also I get lost. Um, <laughs> The whole transferring thing. The whole transferring thing. Okay. Um, but in any case, I don't want to sound romantic, but I will yeah. say there are guys that are nice to, to be in partnerships with. Mm-hmm. It's hard to find them, and then there's a matter of managing that relationship. That's also a lot of effort. So it comes down to what, what you want. It just does. Like, I just... And I look at you, and I think, oh, Darian is, you know, she's beautiful, she's smart, she's got this great life ahead of her. Um, I know she likes guys and wants to have an, a partnership with a guy at some point. Right. And I just don't want you to start feeling like there's no one out there that's decent. Yeah, that is what I am trying to work on, too. It's, so It's hard, though. It's very hard. It's very hard. Sometimes I feel like when I was uh, closer to your age, I would just have to to make a commitment to myself out loud to myself and say, I'm not going to, to hate men. I'm just not going to do it. Yeah, you kind of have to vocalize it, make it a mindset, make it a lifestyle. I'm not going. But that doesn't mean I'm not watching you. Though. Right. Like, it doesn't mean that I'm walking into spaces with some kind of blindfold over my face. Because, you know, I came up in as a music critic and going to hip-hop shows and all the time. And in many, many cases, I've been the only woman in the room or, or one of few women or, you know, at concerts out by myself in the late of night and all that kind of thing. And you have to be careful. You have to be strong. You have to watch people. And, and you just do. But that doesn't mean you have to start. You, don't, you, don't, you still don't have to generalize, I think. You still don't. And again, I say I've been, I've been, I'm not even going to get into the the crimes against me because things have happened to me that are not cool, Mm -hmm. illegal things. Like I've been mugged. I've been, I've been. Have you? Oh God, in Oakland. That is literally my. I mean, I wrote about it a long time ago, but I literally was mugged. I rarely talk about this. It's so awful. I was literally getting off the bus. I was working at, at a store in San Francisco. I took the train home and then I got on a bus to get to my apartment and when I got off the bus I was crossing this uh, over this freeway overpass and this guy ran up behind me and oh put my. a hood over my head oh my God. I know right we've never discussed this I rarely discuss it it's a long time ago I was in my I was like your age though I was like your age the age you are right now, I think. I'm 24, so yes. Yeah, I think I was. Yeah, I think I was like 24, 25. Oh, my gosh. And, oh, my God, he put his hand. What's so funny is I did not believe in the moment that it was happening that it was real. And because I had a friend named James that lived on my block, I think it was a, just a hope that I had that it was James playing some type of trick on me. But what it helped me was to not be 100% scared. But the person, and he, it was so awful, he put his arm around my neck and he said, walk with me or I'll shoot you. Oh my God. 
And so I walked with him. And you didn't I say couldn't, anything. Here's the thing. I could not see. I don't understand how people were driving by me thinking that that was okay either. Right. There's this little hedge of ivy, and he pushed me down in it. And he was trying to, like, take off my clothes. And I just had a thought that I didn't want this to happen to me, right? And what, what was lucky for me was these headlights kept going by, and it was distracting him. And I still couldn't see anything. I had this thing over my head. And he said, we're going for a ride. This was really an insane moment. And he was walking me, I guess, back towards his car, and he got to his car, and I heard him put the gun on the roof of the car. And I just said to myself, excuse my language right now. I thought to myself, this motherfucker's gonna have to shoot me because I'm gone. Right. So I literally pulled the thing over my head, and what's crazy is as soon as I pulled it, I realized it was almost like a sweatshirt. Yeah. And I just ran. Had you gotten into the car yet? No, that's the thing. I heard him put the gun on top of the car. So then I was like, he doesn't have it in his hand. Yeah. So, and in fairness, I never saw it. That fool could have had a rock. I don't know. But I just ran, and he hollered at me. He he hollered at me again that he would shoot me. But my thing was, so am I going to stop running? Right, like you're going to walk back? No, I started knocking on people's doors. It was like 9.30 at night. Because I remember I had gotten off work at 8. And I was coming from San Francisco to Oakland. And so it was like 9.30, quarter to 10. And somebody opened their door for me. Oh, I didn't even say that. He had tied my hands with this cable. It wasn't even tight. Like, I couldn't get out of it. That's how I could lift my hands up. So I knocked on the door. And when the police came, Lord have mercy. Let me tell you how. Let me, there's enough talk about how crazy police are in this world right now. The police were not cool at all. And they saw the cable on my hand, and they said, and I was explaining what happened, and I was like, and I, I got free, and they were just like, well, that doesn't seem like it was very hard to get free from, or something like that. Like, they basically didn't believe you. I don't know if they, I think, I don't know what they thought, but they were not cool. And finally, one of them said, we should call the, because I guess there's a woman that comes, like a woman police officer that will come if it seems like the person might have been sexually assaulted. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I said that the guy was in someone trying to, then right. they call her, and she was somewhat cooler. But the two dudes that came on the scene were like, I was looking at them. And I was more mad at that time than scared. Like, I just completely, but my purse was gone. He had my purse. Yeah. Um, he had my address, because this was back in the day when you used to carry your checkbook and all that kind of stuff in your purse. Right. Or I don't just know like how we got on the subject, but my whole thing was afterwards, you know, I was really scared for a long time. And to be honest, I still get scared. Um, but I just couldn't let that, like, make me feel like all dudes are a threat. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, and that's so hard. I feel it is. It's ter- it's because it's like it's hard. Something bad has happened to you, but listen, I need you to not feel like everyone is like that. It's like I know that is. No I feel one can like that's tell hard. you that. Like no one. Yeah. I don't think it's anybody's right to tell you that. I feel like I say that to you because it's what I want for you, and I hope it doesn't make you feel like I'm imposing no. that on you. But I just feel like I. I I have, I am blessed, knock on wood, knock on wood every day Yes. to have a good partnership with my husband. And when I look at you, then I think, I want Darren to have exactly this right. in a way. Like this, I just want her to have like somebody in her life that's like fun and she can argue with and party with and like, like try to fix up her apartment with and like create stuff with. Like I right. want her to have this. Mm-hmm. So when you say to me, you know, Guys are assholes and nasty jerks and this, that, and the other. I mean, the truth is they, they are. But then there there's some that's just that aren't. And some are at 25 and aren't at 30. Right. Just take some time. But I will sometimes. say this. If they're that at 30, they're probably going to stay that way. Forever. And now I sound like my great-grandmother, but she told me, what ain't right at 30 ain't going to be right. I hate to sound like Louisiana in the house, but that's what she said. 
Be careful of the man at 35. That ain't right. Yeah. I see the expression on your face right now. You're not looking that hopeful. I'm not looking that hopeful. I'm digesting everything that you said. It's all it's all good. I just think you have so much to give. Like I, I do not disagree with you. I think you have so much to give. It's like I see you all the time handling everything for yourself. Remember when we had that conversation in the hardcover office? First of all, I used to love when we, we, to, we were in the hardcover office we would, together. Those and I would times. always like try to force you to come and then you wouldn't. It was fine. Yes. But but I remember I was I was kind of like explaining to you something about money. And I was like, I don't like owing people money. And I don't really mm-hmm. like when people give me money because then I feel like I owe them something. Oh, yeah. And I don't like the feeling of either. owing people we're anything. <laughs> and yeah, you and, and, you were, and you were like, Darian, that's very mature of you. But mm-hmm. I... But, you know, we used to always kind of have this talk about men and women, but like both my age, you mm-hmm. know, it's like we don't have them. None, none of us have the money to go out to these really nice dates that like I somehow expect. Right. Even though I don't make that amount of money. Oh, and you, why do you guys expect all that. Yeah, and it's in your 20s. And why? It's, it's hard because we're it's out here. Music videos, too many Instagrams. We're living in New York. We're trying to make it doing whatever we're doing. We're barely making enough to like pay our rent and go to Honey Palooza, right? And it's like now. First of all, I don't. I'm not putting you in that category anymore. I'm sorry. I don't mean to blow up your spot, but I, I don't. No, well, I'm. I see I'm, you handling your business in a very thorough way and keeping yourself taken care of by yourself, and I and I really commend you for that and congratulate you for that. Thank you. I, you know, it was like I put it in my mind. I remember when you did, and I was like, I want to be making. This amount of money by the time I'm 27, and, and I've like than, surpassed than, that. So yes, and so that's what I'm saying. I do. I, I think of it differently now. But I see you. I see you managing okay. yourself and handling yourself. And I think to myself, it's great that she's managing this herself <laughs> and that she's handling it herself. But man, life is hard. It is hard, and it's fun <laughs> to have someone that you're like in business with on an emotional level like and that's kind of what marriage is right it's like sometimes i just want someone who when i wake up on saturdays it's Mm -hmm. like we hang out like you know yes and in fairness like my whole 30s was those are my girlfriends yeah oh yeah for sure you know what i mean those are my girlfriends but i will say at a at a certain point and you know at a certain point i was just like i think i want to get married i think it's time but I made a commitment to that, though. I feel like you have to put stuff in the universe and you have to verbalize it to yourself and you should tell somebody else. I remember telling my girlfriends, I'm about to make an effort to get married. I think it's time. Right. Like, that's what I'm going to do. And I think that that's important. Mm-hmm. That's very key, deciding what you want. Yes. Like, you decided that you wanted to get married yes. and you got married. Yes. And it took me, I think, from when I said it to it happening was maybe... A little over two years. Mm-hmm. But I was older also, so I think I think I was older, you know, I was like thirty seven or something like that when I said it. The impression that I get during this time mm-hmm. is you had to like put yourself out there, like you had to be I did. willing to like go on dates, maybe two. And I was not a good dater at all. I, like really I had to make my I had I committed myself to this go on dates with people that I didn't think that obviously this would be a good match. I had to commit myself also to going on more than one date with someone because I was a person that said, oh, after the first date, if it didn't seem like there was some kind of magical click, then obviously I didn't need to go out with that person again. But a wise person once told me that you shouldn't always look for that click when you're dating because a lot of times that click is just a feeling of familiarity. And everything that you're familiar with isn't always good for you. Right. So give it an opportunity on the second date to um, when people just feel less awkward. And also go on day dates so there's not this pressure of, so when I take you home now, are we supposed to have sex or not? Right. Like sex isn't really going anywhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? And also not for nothing, you can have a person that you're having sex with that you're not even considering as a partner. So, right. You know what so I mean? it's you like, know? it's not as urgent as it feels yes. at the moment. It's not, you know, so, and something else I think is a good idea, at least it worked for me is 
Well, one of the reasons I think that Elliot and I even really got together is because early in our relationship, I was teaching out in San Francisco. He came to visit me in San Francisco. So I had to, we had to spend three days together. Now, I had an apartment. He had a hotel. But we had to... We had to figure it out over three days. I was like the host. Mm-hmm. Like when somebody comes to visit you. So I'm showing him around San Francisco and blah, blah, blah. But you know, at a certain point, he was getting on my nerves. I think at a certain point, I felt like he didn't really like me as much as I thought he should or he thought that. And then I didn't see him for six or eight hours. You know, just drama. But the thing is, you kind of had to deal with that. Not like sitting at home waiting on somebody to call you. The person's down the street at the hotel. Yeah. And they're visiting you from 3,000 miles. So I feel like that three-day commitment helped. I mean, it wasn't all smooth sailing after that either, but at least we knew we liked each other. Right. Which I think is, a, is an important thing to find out because so much of dating them right now, is, and it always has been, it's about showing off. Let me tell you all these great things about myself. No, let me tell you all these great things about myself. Really, how much money are you spending on me? No, how much money am I spending on you? Am I having sex? Are you having sex? What are we going to do? Yeah. It becomes about the wrong things as opposed to just kind of... Walk through a bookstore with somebody. It's a dynamic date. Okay. Tell me, please, 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 please. Go to a a carnival with somebody. That is a dynamic date. You will learn everything about a person by going to a carnival with them. Just a local carnival or fair. Or a picnic. A picnic. Go. Go somewhere where you have to carry some stuff or win something or play something, play a game. Right. Or or walk eating food or where everything is cheap so everybody sees how everybody is with money. It's like, do you know what I'm saying? Like if me and you were dating, dating, like if we were dating... And we went to the carnival together, and then at a certain point, you brought me cotton candy, and that was like $4, and then by the time we got to the hot dogs, I was like, I got this. Like, you've le- we've learned something about each other, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Boom. That and is we- so... Yes. Yes. Or if you're just waiting on me to buy you the hot dog because I set it off by buying the cotton candy, then I'm looking at you kind of like, all right, you ain't bring no money? Like, yeah. It's, but that dynamic, I feel is so important to kind of establish. Because I would totally be the mm-hmm. person who's right. like, oh, like, you bought that for me. Thank you so much. Right. Like, I'll buy this for yes. us just because... Yes. Unless he absolutely insists, like, I'm not letting you buy anything. Like, you're crazy. Then, like, I'll right. fall back. But here's but, the thing, though. But then you've learned that. Whether, right. Anyway, then I've learned that. if you like that, amazing. And if you don't like that, you know that. But you're not going to really learn that through the simple thing of, like, going to the movies or going to dinner. It's mm-hmm. so stressy. You need some more outside stimuli. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Dinner is just too much like, oh. and okay. then are you going to spill something? At the carnival, if you spill something, you know, people expect you to spill something. You're supposed to have, like, snow cone juice on your shirt or whatever. Like, yeah. you just are. You get to see if the person knows how to have fun. Right. And if you all know how to have fun together, because that's the basis, man. Besides having some values and in common, which is important, if you can have fun, it's wild important. I was just thinking to myself, well, there are no carnivals in New York, but we could go to Coney Island. Go to Coney. Oh my Love God! Love you like XO, Beyonce. You go know what to I mean? Coney Island. I've never been before. Have you been before? Yes, because when Parker comes to visit, she loves it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or go to a baseball game. You know what I mean? Sit outside with somebody where there's a lot of stimulus and where you have to interact with other people and you see how that person is with, like, a stranger sitting next to them at the baseball game. Because if they're acting like a an, an ass or just rude or if they're the type of guy or the type of person that's like, yo, man, so what you doing here with that Yankee hat on? I thought you was a man. And you're just like, oh, he's cool. He can make friends with anybody. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what you want to know. Right. That's what you want to know. I know this is going on really long, right? No, but it's okay because I told myself, even if I wanted to, this conversation is not going <laughs> to be 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. My last episode was 36 minutes. Very 36? Pr- 36 minutes. I was very proud of myself. For the Daniela podcast, Elliot likes to budget one hour, and if we go over to like one hour and seven minutes, he's just acting like a crime has been committed. Well, I just feel like it's if I could keep it super compact and Mm -hmm. I can put a lot of punch into that and and like manage it more in a way like I'm not really doing a lot of the 
shifting your mind and like in and, and like finding ways to interrupt you to shift it here and make sure we go here to make mm-hmm. sure I'm not really doing that but if I if I were to it was like it, it would be a lot shorter okay so speaking of shifting this is a question probably my favorite question mm-hmm. that I ask everybody mm-hmm. what is your dream for hardcover right now typically the question I ask is like what is your dream right now like what do you think about what keeps you up at night mm-hmm. but I want to know like what is your expectation what is your dream expectation for hardcover? My dream expectation is one for the party to go off as ex- exactly as I would want it to go off because I think it's not a fake celebration; it's a real celebration. It's a real, ce- it's, it's a, a real, real celebration. celebration. I'm like like a wedding reception or something. It's like a real celebration. It's like ev- like I will be very happy. Me too. I'll me be too. like a happy person. So I want it to come off and. But when I think about just the name and the brand and the idea of it itself, I just want it to have an impact. That's what I wanted from the beginning. That's what Elliot has wanted from the beginning. That's what uh, my colleagues at Stanford have wanted for us from the beginning, which is for it to have an impact, for people to see that you can have a truly beautiful, beautifully designed piece of journalism um, put together by a diverse group of people for the diverse world that we live in. And I think when people see hardcover, they're just going to be really kind of amazed. They're going to know that. They're going to see the work that we put in. They're going to see the joy in it. And I just want people to hold it. You know, I want people to hold it in their hands, read it, share it, and talk about it. And I just want it to have an impact. And what is your dream for your upcoming book? Oh, my God. That you're writing. Well doesn't have to be future dream it could be your literally your dream right Lord, I would like to be finished with it but I will tell you this um I never really realized I mean I guess I always realized but maybe I never wanted to really deal with the fact that so little has actually been written about black women in pop music and it's kind of criminal and a large part of me just wants to fix it Right. And but then I realized I need to just tell people stories. And now that I'm doing that, the book is coming together in a really strong way. And it's just amazing to research these women's lives, man, whether it's Stephanie Mills or Kelly Price or Martha Wash or the Dixie Cups, who had um, a number one hit in 1964 with Chapel of Love. Everybody knows that song, like, going to the chapel. Yeah. A lot of people think that those are, um, that's a white group that sang that song, but those are black women who sang that, black women from Louisiana. Um, Talking to these people, Marilyn McCoo, uh, Jody Watley, Beyonce, uh, Mm -hmm. Janet Jackson, Mariah Carey, Whitney Houston, Aretha Franklin, all these people are involved in the book in one way or another, and it's coming together. And so I just, again, I think I want the same as I want for hardcover. I want the book to have impact. I want the book to be of service. And I want, frankly, to have done a good job and to have done some really good writing. I mean, that, it matters a lot to me. And I, it just, like, when I recently wrote that piece about Bobby Christina. Yes. And The Guardian. In The Guardian. Appeared in The Guardian. Appeared in The Guardian um, right before she passed away. And may she rest in peace. It breaks my heart to think about her and her mother. But um, if anybody reads that piece, then they'll know the type of writing that I'm trying to do which is I'm trying to tell emotional stories about women's lives, but I'm also trying to be very real about their actual contributions and their actual, you know, just the, the, the details of their lives that make up their work, you know? And I feel like so oftentimes black people, black women in particular, we don't get that kind of attention paid to the creative work that we do. Right. We don't get that type of credit. Like just to talk about one of your favorites, Beyonce Knowles Carter, you know, sometimes shout out to Beyonce, shout out park, to Beyonce in, in every way. Yes, right. So something what, um, not to sound fancy, but when I was in Paris for the show, yeah, for the on the run, yeah, it was amazing. In, Par- in Paris, yeah, yeah was, filmed on HBO. Yes, it was an incredible, incredible uh, experience to be there for that. But something that I noticed, and I and I always notice about Beyonce, I don't think that people just sit up and say, "Oh my God." Beyonce is just like an amazing creative and and her Boom. everything from her like her choreography by itself and just her as a dancer like forget singing right 
like forget singing like let's not even sing let's just let's just be doing the dances that she's doing when she just had a baby like what three years ago four years ago um let's talk about let's talk about her as just a dancer on this earth and does anyone talk about that does anybody talk unless no. they're saying oh well she bit this choreography from this or she she did this or she did that it's like she's an amazing dancer is anyone really in, like saying who are her influences let's break it down what about beyonce's life as a girl growing up in houston makes her dance the way she dances like who's doing that you know what my dream interview is hmm. to interview beyonce in, with the series of questions that's about being an innovator and a creative because yes. people don't view her that way and it really bothers me it bothers so like me as well. when i when i think to myself who's my who's my role model mm-hmm. beyonce is my role model mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons because it's like you know people will sit in a stadium and they'll watch her perform mm-hmm. but what i think i don't i'm like wow like she just pulled it off at made in america she mm-hmm. like did the dad yes. in X, Y, and Z. But it's like, no, I need to know who who helped her to come up with that. Like, who, like, who are the choreographers? Really. Like, Mm-mm. these, these, like, because I know Here's that she question. has a hand in everything. How many, say that again, please. I want to know that she has. I know that, I know that she has yes. a hand in, in everything. And I just don't think that she gets that kind of credit or, or there's not that. You know, there's people that do, you know, year-long interrogations into to the careers of certain men and, and a certain few other women that aren't black. And I just feel like I want to know, I want to know, when you think about Michael Jackson, like one thing that when um, I wrote a, an obit of Michael Jackson for CNN when he passed away, and something that I talked about was the, the fact that people di- don't acknowledge what he did to his body for us as his fans. He mm. killed his body. He damn near broke his back. Like, I want to know how many hours is Beyonce dancing every day? All day. 14, like, I, I don't actually know. But, but how my, is she, pra- like, how many, how many hours is she practicing? Like, what is she doing to herself, to her body, to, to give us everything that she's giving up herself? Well, everybody just wants to talk about it. Is she losing weight or gaining weight or is her booty this or is her or waist her that? Or her Instagram. And it's like, I know that that's what we have to work with nowadays. It's like, literally, E! News is covering Beyonce's Instagram, covering Kim Kardashian's Instagram. But but my, I, think I think what people don't talk about is how Beyonce set that all off. And you will probably remember when this happened. Beyonce set this whole thing off. When she said there were there will be no photographers allowed at my live shows, and I'm not saying as a journalist it's great for us in general, but in terms of her story and taking control of it, Beyonce said it's my narrative, and I will run it. And I'm not. Y'all at, will not be taking pictures of me. Right. Like I am in control. Mm-hmm. And if you guys want to take pictures of me, you know who it'll be? It'll be the kids on their phones who are my fans. Yeah. Or but the one this, Getty, guy from Getty who I love. Yes, but all these, all this little thing where all the all the photographers from the local papers and from AP and from everybody, you know, they used to be able to come out for the first three songs of any show, right, and just shoot pictures, and then they they would leave, right? Beyonce said, "Oh no, 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 not if you're going to be doing me like that again." As a journalist, no, it doesn't make me happy. But as a black woman, it does make me happy to see her controlling her narrative the way she does. I think it's amazing. I think it's amazing, too. So my dream Beyonce interviews two parts. Mm-hmm. It is us having a very fast company-esque conversation. But, but you could make this happen so easily. Why don't you do it? It's probably going to happen. Yes. But my second one, and this will be funny but also very telling, mm-hmm. is I want to get into the dance studio with her and I want her to like oh, teach and if you don't me, take me if you don't take me but what like I, will fight like, you. I, I just will feel like fight. no one asked why do we both have on a great t-shirt today I don't know I know okay I will fight you <laughs> but that like that is sometimes I feel like that is what she likes and what she deserves and and yes you know she was on the cover of flaunt magazine mm-hmm. it's like this and she'll she likes to do things very differently. Mm-hmm. Like instead of doing interviews and stuff like that, right? She put together her own wor- like web world, mm-hmm. and it's just really interesting and cool. She's a very but, smart woman. Yeah, but 
but you know, BB, she keeps her ears to the streets. Mm-hmm. She's on Tumblr. Mm-hmm. I know it. Mm-hmm. I just know it. I feel it. I see it. <laughs> Feeling myself was like that whole vibe, right? right? So that's why it I love this. Yep. Okay, so have you thought about your plus one? Which is what have I been a part of or who have I talked to or what is my favorite thing of the last week? Yeah, week, week and a half, or just something you appreciate overall. You know, that's a very interesting question. And it goes to, like, gratitude also, right? It really goes to gratitude. So mm-hmm. what have I really been grateful to? What have I, what have I really been grateful for, for the, over the last week and a half? I will say that I've been super grateful for the time to work on my book. I've been, you know what I'm grateful for and what I've loved? You know, I love being on the train. I really do. The Amtrak. I love being on Amtrak. I'm this person. I've taken Amtrak across the country more than once. And I love it. And I just, you know, I've been on the train over the last two weeks. I've been back and forth to Virginia uh, twice in the last two weeks for work. And I've taken that train from Penn Station to Union Station in D.C. over the last 15 years. Like, I can't even tell you how many times. Yeah. It doesn't get old to me. It's so chill. I like this feeling of just moving along. I like looking out of the window. I like crossing over all those lakes and rivers in Maryland. Um, I used to like taking pictures and videos from the from the window. I don't do that so much anymore, but I like the opportunity of just feeling like I'm away from everything. I can work, look out the window. There's Wi-Fi. There's Wi-Fi, and I could just think. I could just think. So, um, I'm just grateful for that time, like those, you know, three hours there and three hours back of like, you know, just to work and think. That's really what I like to do most of all. Probably work, think, and on a good day, cook. But you are you are a phenomenal cook. You like my food? Yes, I do. And sometimes <laughs> I think to myself, I was like, if I could just go over there, maybe like call her, like maybe I can catch the meal. Is like I'd be like, but I'd be like, I can't even well, impose on her space like I that. I did uh, fresh direct today, so you should come over this week. I, okay, okay, look, but look serious. but like when you tell me this, you think I'm not gonna come oh, no, over. I've learned that you shall. You know I know that, that you will. When you tell me you you like invite me over or you say it just to kind of be know, like I nice. Don't. What did and I make then, you that time and you were like, "What did you do to this broccoli?" Or what did we have? It was like rice or something. What was, did you do to this rice? It was like chicken. You, it was like you had picked up some stuff from the Korean market. Yes, that's my spot too. Yeah, Koreatown. It, it was delicious. Yeah, people should go there too, just so you know you don't you don't have to spend a lot of money on groceries. At right, Whole I spent, Foods. Go to go to the the markets in Koreatown. I spent like twenty dollars on groceries yesterday. What'd you get? Don't just say, like, broccoli and what. You're not going to. It was dairy and food. It was, like, crate. It was, like, stuff that. What, like, a mango and some Reme- yogurt? Remember like, when we met at, I think it was, like, the 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 Crosby Hotel? Mm-hmm. The, and I That's got, the other thing I wish you would tell people how you steal all my spots. That's what I think you should talk about. I know. that. You steal my spots. That's I, a whole other podcast. I do. The Spot Stealing Podcast. I know. It's like, you could be anywhere, and I might already be there. I See, might show up. She stole all my spots for coffee. Oh, my God. She stole all my hotel lobby spots. She stole my nail spot. I did. I did hijack the nail spot. I was you there last Monday. It. I'm sorry. You hijacked it. I'm sorry. I got my nails done at Rita's this week when I got my hair colored, so I'll be Ooh. back over there, though. Mm-hmm. It, no, it is true, but it's upgraded my life. Like the hotel lobbies have upgraded my life. Hotel lobbies are the secret, the secret jam, like, the secret jam of almost any city. I was at the Royal. I should not. Right? I'm not even gonna put. But you know where I was at. You know where I was at. I'm not. I can't. I, I'm not gonna put it on the podcast. The one. You know, we put we put a lot of things. Can't put everything out there. Can't though. put everything. We cannot. We cannot. But yes. So, do you feel like this was a super jamming podcast? This was a good podcast. What do you, what did you think? You have to give me your critique right now. I have to give you the critique right now. I think it's really good, and I think that you're a good interviewer. I always like your broadcast voice. I think it's very awesome. Thank you. I do. I think that it's means really a lot good. to me. I always like it, and I think you have you know questions that make at least me feel very introspective, and I think that that's it's a science, but I think it's also art and a gift, and so I I say yay for you. I love it. Thank you. I'm always 
working to on my interview skills because mm-hmm. I decided that I want, you know, everyone has a beat in mm-hmm. journalism. Mm-hmm. I want my beat to be covering people and interviewing people. Like, when people tell me, what, like, your beat could be tech or mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. or politics, mm-hmm. but I want my beat to be... I like that. People. Yeah, I, and I know that seems so broad it's or not, very though. general because all of journalism mm-hmm. is about people. And, but I really it's want... Not. It's not. But I really want my focus to be on telling the stories of people that could be famous, not famous, just people who have a story. Yes. That is what I, that is where my strength is, honestly, is interviewing people. Mm-hmm. I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm really... I mean, I think you did a fantastic job with the interviews you did for hardcover. I mean, people don't even know. I mean, oh, yeah. we haven't even talked about... The Passion all, Atlas. The Passion and Atlas and all the work that we put in on that. But Darian's work on that and her leadership on that was really incredible. So I think people will see it and know it for... You know, it's just, it, it has a certain ring of authenticity that we all work really hard on. But you definitely took the forefront on that. And I think people will see your interview skills. Thank you, Danielle. Mm-hmm. That means a lot coming from you. Oh, please. So thank you, because you don't have to do things like this, but you do them for me, which I appreciate. Of course. There's no way I wasn't going to do it. Yes. Well, thank you, Danielle. Now we're signing off.